This is Christine Penalto with Sideline USA. So March is National Athletic Trainer Month. And this is a big deal for us at Sideline USA because through our work with medically disqualified athletes, we've identified athletic trainers as one of the most influential members of the Sideline Athletes Support Network. Athletic trainers specialize in the prevention, assessment, treatment, and rehabilitation of injuries and illnesses. Beyond their clinical value, time and time again, we found athletic trainers have an incredible personal investment of compassion and care for their athletes. They empathize with the devastation that follows when a dedicated athlete becomes permanently sidelined and frequently offer personal support that goes well beyond the physical rehabilitation. You may have come in contact with an athletic trainer in your own journey. What you may not have realized is that many athletic trainers are sideline athletes themselves, and their experience with a season or career-ending injury was the catalyst for how they came into the profession. During this podcast, we're going to talk to an athletic trainer as well as a physical therapist who are both former sideline athletes. They're going to share their experiences as sideline athletes and how their professions came about as a result. At Sideline USA, we are firm believers in the value of staying involved in sports through alternate avenues, even if you can no longer compete due to medical reasons. If you've ever been curious about athletic training or physical therapy as a means to stay connected to sports, today should be an interesting conversation for you to listen in on. Sideline USA would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this podcast, Athletico Physical Therapy. Athletico Physical Therapy provides the highest quality orthopedic rehabilitation services to communities, employers, and athletes in over 450 locations throughout 12 states with more than 5,000 employees. Athletico is committed to our patients and referring physicians through our patient-centric focus, positive work environment, attention to quality and high standard of care, Our services include physical and occupational hand therapy, workers' compensation, women's health therapy, concussion management, and athletic training. For more information or to schedule a free injury screening, please visit www.athletico.com. Okay, today we have with us Lauren Costantino and Sarah Ryerson. Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast this morning. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, you're welcome. So each, I would love it if each of you could give us a brief snapshot at your background, like what sport you played, what sidelining injury um, you sustained, and then also just what you do now vocationally. Lauren, why don't you go first? Sure. Um, uh, I was a three-sport athlete here on the northwest side of Chicago. Um, I played volleyball, basketball, and softball. Um, I tore my ACL. Uh, my senior year of volleyball, it was the very last game of the season. It was senior night. Um, oh. Basketball season was supposed to be my, my big season. Um, but, you know, sometimes life takes a turn for you. Um, so now, as a result, I actually uh, became an athletic trainer by trade. A lot of that was due to uh, the amount of time I spent in PT and the people who I had as mentors and resources. Um, and now formally, I actually oversee a group of athletic trainers and am their day-to-day resource um, when it comes to questions they have or resources they may need in order for them to continue to provide care to their athletes at their high schools and colleges. Awesome. Everything's awesome about that except for oh, that injury. And three. I can't imagine as a three-sport athlete, you know, you're not just giving up one sport. You're giving up you know, three different sports. That's a lot. Um, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your background. I was a cross-country runner, and I really liked the long distances. 
And I wasn't planning on going out for track that spring um, at school, and they begged me to come out and run, so I did. And that's when I sustained um, my knee injury originally. They found out what it was about 10 months later, and that was the reason that I got interested in the athletic training profession and ultimately became an athletic trainer. I now work as a physical therapist at Athletico, and I also do a little bit of some associated work as an athletic trainer as well. Gotcha. Okay, great. Um, so let's dig a little bit deeper and learn more about each of your stories. So we, we have athletic trainer because, you know, it's a March is National Athletic Trainers Month, but we also wanted to kind of feature the physical therapist as well, because you both, the careers are, are very similar and there's obviously overlap because, um, Sarah, you are also an athletic trainer as well as a physical therapist. Um, but let's just go ahead and start with you, Lauren. If you could just share a little bit about that, that career ending injury, tell us, you know, more about the details about what happened and just what were some of the results of that and, you know, maybe who was helping you during that time to process, because it was a career-ending injury for you. Um, what did that experience look like for you? Definitely. Um, I, I think that um, what a lot of people kind of don't take into consideration is how much uh, of an emotional toll that an injury like an ACL tear can take on you just because of the amount of missed time that happens. There's several injuries that you can sustain that, you know, might make you miss a couple weeks of your season, but ultimately, you know, you regain that identity. What was really hard for me is it being my senior year and my, you know, what you kind of build up in your mind is your, your last year to make an impression. I, I still had potential hopes of maybe playing at a smaller college and continuing to play basketball versus going to a university strictly for school. There were, there were still a lot of questions in my life. And as you can imagine, as a 17-year-old on the brink of 18, there's just a lot of things going through your head at one time. So um, it was a pretty standard play. I went up for a block in volleyball, and I tipped the ball, and I landed back down, and you're supposed to turn and follow your, your uh, tip. And um, just that, that twisting motion, I uh, heard three large pops and fell to the ground. Um, and then I kind of thought to myself, why are you on the ground? And attempted to get up, and unfortunately, I couldn't do that so much. Um, so I was extremely lucky in that we had an athletic trainer actually on site as well who was able to kind of help me and my parents navigate through the fact that something was wrong and that I do need to get some more advanced help. So they actually brought me over to an athletical clinic in which I saw the uh, PT, Mike, who would eventually become my PT through the entire process, and they were to help, able to help me get through some immediate injury care um, and help me get sent off to the right physician um, and the best options for me to continue care. So I, I feel like this, this was extremely altering as a 17-year-old girl in that I, I lost my I, athletic identity very quickly. For my whole life, I'd always played sports. It was a no-brainer every day after school. I didn't go home. I, I didn't know what it was like to be home before 4.30 because I always had a practice. Um, it, it's a really a whole new world, and navigating that during a very emotional time in your life anyway it was really hard. Um, I had really great support from uh, my PT, and I had the opportunity to ask a lot of questions about what to expect and, and how I could – stay a part of my team and stay, you know, 
go to practices still. We did everything we could for me to try to still be a part of that team, even though I couldn't play, um, just from like a leadership perspective. Um, but it, it really does fundamentally change everything you know. Um, I, it also kind of took effect on some of my friendships, some of my friendships that were, I guess, maybe more of uh, ease and, and they were there because it was, you know, we always were at the same place together, kind of show their true colors. And I learned who some of my real friends were. And, and it really is a whole process. I, I was very appreciative to have some people there to navigate that. I'm still an athlete, even though I may not be out on the court right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in that process, I, I kind of realized that, you know, I, I'm not going to be on the court anymore. I'm, I'm not going to have that opportunity to have a great senior season. I'm not going to be able to be able to showcase my skills. And maybe athletic training is a way for me to go. I've always had an interest in the human body and how it, the movements and how it works. But it also, I've always wanted to help people. That's kind of the drive of my daily life. So the fact that I had an opportunity here to combine those two, I'm like, well, this is the perfect profession for me. Like, this is great. So I, I did enroll in school and declare right away that I was going to be an athletic trainer. Um, I attended Illinois State University, um, and I, I just I felt at home immediately. Um, I realized that uh, there's a lot of opportunity to make an impact on an athlete's life um, and their athletic career, and you can be doing that while standing on the sidelines. And that's right. a pretty powerful thing to know and have in your back pocket. Right. Um, and because of the personal experience, I feel like I have the empathy to help make that happen. And I, I really do understand what motivates them to want to be successful because I've had that competitive drive in me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting how, I mean, I, I do, I'm, I'm listening to your story and I'm, I'm hearing so many of our other athletes stories in it. Um, you know, just that the effect on the friendships, I think that's, um, you know, something that doesn't get talked about a lot, but it is, I've, I've heard that a lot that you kind of see who your true friends are um, in that process. But then also what's really neat about your story is just that idea of staying involved in sports and staying connected and just finding a different way to do that because it is such a part of your life, part of your DNA um, and so athletic training being a natural fit for you. Um, Tell us a little bit about like for those of us who maybe maybe we don't have someone doesn't have any experience with an athletic trainer. They didn't have one at their high school or something. Um, what does a day in the life of an athletic trainer look like? Sure. So globally, um, we kind of say that an athletic trainer is responsible for the prevention and care of injury and illness in our athletic population. So for an athletic trainer, pretty traditionally one that works in a high school setting, doesn't start their day at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. like a lot of professions. We generally don't start until at least 1 o'clock or later in our day. And our day runs from about 1 to 8, about give or take. So this is a little bit of a unique profession um, compared to what people normally think of as a working day. Um, So our schedules mimic practice and game schedules. And if you think about that, there's some nights you're there a little bit later for those 7.30 basketball games or 7.30 football games. Um, but it really is an exciting time because I've never been one to want to work from 9 to 5 every day. It's just not my mentality. So I like the flexibility. I like that no two days are identically the same. 
some days are kind of knock on wood slow days, and that's a great day when your kids are healthy. Um, and some days are unfortunately kind of busy. Um, it, it's a re- it's a really great um, surprising day. It keeps you on your toes. You get to spend some time outside and some beautiful weather, and then sometimes not so great weather. Um, but that's the Midwest, and you'll get that either way. Um, but no, it, it, there's also times where you're there on weekends, um, Saturday games, early morning practices. Um, it's truly a unique schedule. It's quite helpful in that you get to usually have a, a, an estimated schedule for the next two weeks, but things always are flexible and change a bit. So that's a, definitely a different aspect to athletic training that not a lot of people realize. Right. And does that, okay, so you're there, Lauren, as an athletic trainer, but do you feel that sense of like camaraderie with the teams and like that competitive drive in you? Do you feel like you get that kind of fix with athletic training? Yep. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, really, in an athletic trainer's mind, and I think you could ask a lot of athletic trainers and they would feel the same way, my success and my idea of this has been a really great season is when I can keep the majority of my kids out on the field and performing the entire season. Or if that isn't unfortunately your case that season, I was able to help that one or two individuals who have been out for a certain amount of time get back to that level. It is the most prideful thing you can think of when somebody has been injured. You've seen them when they were healthy to injury through the progress of their injury and back on the field and being successful is uh, it's one of the largest amounts of pride that I can ever think of because you know that you had a hand in getting them back out there. So it, it, it does make you feel like in some small way that you're out on that field with them. Right. And, and truly when your team is winning, it's very hard as an athletic trainer not to be excited when your team wins. You still yell and cheer for your team and you want them to be successful. And, you know, everybody also feels better when it's a winning team as well. So it's definitely a great place to be. And you really are an integral part of the team and the daily life of those athletes. Right. Yeah, that's, that seems really fun. Um, So related to that, and you've talked about this a little bit, but are any other thoughts you have on like thinking about how your sidelining injury makes you a better athletic trainer and just like how athletes in general, like why, why would an athlete make a good athletic trainer? So in general, I think it has made me a more empathetic person. Um, there's, there's a certain amount of understanding that when you've been a previous athlete and you're an athletic trainer of the amount of effort and dedication that an athlete gives to their craft. And if you haven't been um, very active in sports previously, you know, you, you might take a little bit for granted the amount of effort and the amount of identity that other individuals find in playing sports. So I think that we can really identify um, the, especially the athlete who is, who is giving it their all to be out there. And, you know, he comes in for treatment, you know, every single day, doesn't miss, doesn't give excuses. You know, those are the kids that you see in yourself that you're like, that was me. I was out there and I was given all I could in order to play my sport. So I, I think that's one aspect that has literally translated very well for me. Um, but otherwise, in, in general, I think that um, that drive to want to be better, to want to succeed, to try to help people become their best is something that um, is a, a very 
um, unique opportunity. And as somebody who's played in team sports their whole life, I think you would do anything for a teammate to be better. And I think that I get to share that same effort to try to help make the kids better every day. And sometimes the word of advice I'm getting them is, you know what, your elbow's moving when you're shooting the ball and that's not right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, hey, you know, be a good teammate and help her out. Even though you might not be able to play, you have an opportunity to, you know, still have effect on your team. And, and being a mentor to people who are currently injured, mm -hmm. um, knowing the role that they can play is also really great for me as an AT to be able to share. I'm sure. Yeah, kind of like not really a coach, but just throwing in a few little coaching things in there too to just kind of um, Exactly. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Um thanks for sharing your story and I'm glad that um even though you had a career injury that was devastating that it didn't take you very long um to find a way to get back into uh athletics in a different avenue and you know that's that's really remarkable. I'm glad that that's been a, satis a satisfying endeavor for you. Uh, Sarah, let's go ahead and transition to hear your story. Um, so you're a physical therapist and an athletic trainer. And I know you suffered a knee injury um, that took you out of cross country. So tell us a little bit about what happened and just the circumstances around that process of, um, you know, what, what happened as a result of that. Sure, it was actually a track injury, so it was during track season, and it was during, it was preseason, and we were out running uh, in March, and I just remember stepping kind of wrong off a curb, and I never thought that much of it, so I guess in the back of my head, I always believed that I didn't really do anything at that time, however, that's the only thing that I can ever relate to, the potential of when something might have gone wrong. So it eventually led to the fact that I just I couldn't run anymore. It was just way too painful. So they started exploring a little bit about what's wrong with my knee. And ultimately, I had a number of different tests. And MRI had a number of different treatments. I spent about nine months, uh, or I'm sorry, nine weeks of the summer in a mobilizer. At that time, they just stuck you in a long leg brace when they had no clue what was going on. And they thought maybe if they just put you in there, maybe you'd heal. Well, unfortunately, that did not work. Uh, and I think through this, you start to, maybe some athletes, you start to lose hope. You start to think it's probably just in my head. And then also you're realizing more and more throughout that season that all of a sudden now it's, it's summer, like this happened in March. I still can't run. So you went through the whole entire season dealing with the fact that, like, you know, Lauren said, Instead of going to practice, instead of here's the team going out to do warm-ups on the track, and I'm heading either to the pool to run in the water or to just ride the bike because I can't run. Right. So you're also dealing with that, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not out with the team. Wait a minute, like, shoot, I have to go here again. And first of all, it's, it's empowering because I can still go do something. I know I can get back then and I'll be back out running for my team. But the more it goes on, the more you go, this isn't so much fun anymore. I don't know when I'm going to be out there and I don't feel like part of the team anymore. Right. I think that was that big, huge emotional realization. And it's hard to still push yourself to do that, to go and ride that bike or to go and do that when you're not part of the team. 
uh, I was lucky for that reason in that I became uh, a manager with the team. So I still had that ability to travel with the team and still be a part of the team in another aspect, and I found that very rewarding. Secondly, what I ended up doing is I started to take an interest in what was wrong with my knee. So instead of almost not you know, putting it out of the back of my head or not wanting to deal with it, I started to delve into it more. And I went to the library, I checked out a few books, and I ultimately became an athletic trainer as a student at my high school. And that's basically what launched my career into physical therapy and athletic training. Because I had the opportunity at that time to work with a dual credentialed physical therapist and athletic trainer who was the athletic trainer at our school. And she was probably the most instrumental then in getting me into the profession of athletic training and into the profession of physical therapy. She was a wonderful mentor, and I think not only in teaching me about what I needed to know for the training room, but also just in coaching me a little bit through the rehab process. Now, while she never really had much of a hand in my rehabilitation because I did a short course of physical therapy that ultimately didn't work, um, and that was with a different physical therapist, uh, she was ultimately the one to help me, I think, a little bit through that emotional part of it and to give me that motivation to realize, hey, athletic trainer and physical therapy is maybe what I want to do for my career. Hmm. So what ended up happening is eventually I had a doctor say, well, if nothing has worked, we can do exploratory arthroscopic surgery. And while I originally said, no, I'm sure it's, it's just all in my head, I'll, I'll just, I'll figure it out, I'm sure it'll get better, I realized pretty soon that 10 months later I still couldn't run and maybe... That was my last avenue to try. So, you you know, do this. So what I ended up doing is I ended up having um, exploratory arthroscopic surgery, and they did find out that I did have a meniscus tear in my knee. So luckily, I guess for me, there was something wrong. There was a reason for my pain. And then I realized, hey, all that time I'd been suffering and enduring it, there was something wrong. Uh, so I guess that's where I've been able to help other athletes through that emotional toll sometimes and realizing, is this going to end? When is it going to end? How long does this take? Sometimes things don't always have a direct timeline. And while an injury, you can say, generally takes about this long to heal, everybody's not always the same on that. So I think you can help people through that emotional part of that when it goes longer than expected, when they have complications, something like that because sometimes they're on a good course and then life can take a different turn. And that's true even if you are an athlete. So I think that's one aspect of it. And then anytime, just like you know, Lauren said, that you've gone through an injury, you can at least a small portion of you can empathize with an athlete. And I think what I wrote, um, I just pulled out what I wrote a little bit um, from college in order to get into physical therapy school, what motivated me to go into this, it was basically a little bit about my experience too. And I can just quickly read a few lines of that because I think it's very yeah. reflective of what an athlete might be going through if you'd like me to at some point. That would, yeah, go ahead. That would be great. So it was basically, I'll read just a few lines of it. The coldness of that March day seemed nothing more than that. Even the knee injury I knew would soon heal, but it lingered as the snow melted and spring turned to summer. I remember the night the immobilizer came off, putting one foot in front of the other, learning to walk, but not to run. Running was my life, my inspiration. You don't realize how hard it is until you can't do it. Yet running taught me even when I could not run, 
I still needed endurance. And then the conclusion of that, I wrote a whole essay on this, it was, thus with the permanent scar that has been left not only on my knee, but on my memory, I hope to help others as a physical therapist in the way I know best with the knowledge acquired by fate one winter day. So I guess that fate of that knee injury ultimately led me to having a very rewarding profession now as an athletic trainer and a physical therapist at Athletic Health. Right, right. Oh, it was a fateful injury. It was like, oh my God, this is career ending in a way. And mine wasn't quite as career ending as um, Lauren's because I was able to ultimately go back and run and I do successfully run now. But it was career ending at that time because I never ended up going back and running track again. Right, right. Which is a, a huge loss because you can run on your own, which is great, but there's something about competing on a team level and having that camaraderie that I'm sure it's hard to replace um, in a, you know, just a personal context. Um, tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about, you know, what a day in the life of a physical therapist looks like. I know you've um, done both sides, but um, athletic training as well as physical therapy, but let's speak to the physical therapy part and learn a little bit about your day. Sure. So I do have standard hours here that I work because obviously we have patients scheduled However, that can you know, vary based on the day and the number of patients that I've scheduled. So in a typical full day, I have a patient that will come in about every half an hour, and they can be a multitude of diagnosis. We treat everything from your knee injuries, your standard knee injuries, to more complicated uh, injuries or your athletes, to I've seen patients as young as seven to as old as 94. So you can treat a host of different conditions and a host of different slips, trips, falls, sprains, post-operative patients, and the like. There's a number of things that uh, we treat. I work as an outpatient physical therapist, so that means patients come into the clinic. They usually have to be walking and able to move around. I'm not in a hospital-based setting where you're dealing with people in a hospital and maybe associating with trying to just get them out of bed or teaching them a daily activity living. So for each person, it, it differs what their injury is. You have to evaluate that injury. So when the athlete or when a person does come in for an evaluation, you evaluate to determine what's going on unless they just had surgery and then you know what it is. And then you basically look at what things they have deficits in. Is it strength? Is it range of motion? Do they have pain? And you try and interpret what you believe the injury is due to. And then rehabilitation ultimately centers on fixing what you find is wrong. So it can be a bit of a problem-solving thing. And then when I start to work with these people, uh, you just find out what things they cannot do. And it's, it's very enlightening a lot of time for patients that sometimes people who thought they were really strong or who thought they were you know, this is what was the cause of it. You can ultimately find something else. Um, it's a very rewarding field. A lot of times you can take things like uh, osteoarthritis of the knee where it's just a degeneration of the joint. And these people who have this presence maybe think that they can never get better or they can never do better. And although I cannot change the course of that, that degenerative condition, I can't take that away, a lot of times uh, these people have strength deficits, they have range of motion deficits, they have functional deficits that if you build that strength up or get their joint to move better, they can ultimately live in a lot less pain and maybe avoid a knee injury for, or a, a knee replacement for a few more years. 
So my field is very dynamic. You're up working with people. I am on the table helping people, stretching them, massaging, doing whatever, you know, stretching, you know, range of motion with them, whatever they might need. And it's a very rewarding field. It can sometimes uh, be frustrating at times if a, pe or a person is not getting better. You have to figure out what's wrong with them. And it's a very um, dynamic field. You're, you're motivating people. You're trying to explain things to them. You're helping them through this process. Uh, they might have a lot of emotions with it, be it whether they're an athlete or not. It could be impacting their life a lot. It could just be impacting their life a little. So everybody's different, everybody has different fields they've been in, everybody has different places they're coming from, and different backgrounds and histories, and you have to take all of that into account when rehabbing each individual. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really thorough answer. Thank you for that. Um, sounds like you covered a lot of questions that I had. I'm wondering if there was any specific time, Sarah, in your career where um, I guess story or just, uh, you know, some kind of personal impact that you had on a patient that was especially fulfilling, um, where you just knew like, man, I'm in the right zone. Like this is what I was meant to do. I guess some of the rewarding stuff that I've had happen and where I've seen myself reflect a little bit is sometimes in some of the volunteer work that I've done. I've uh, worked about the past 10 to 11 years as a volunteer medical staff uh, for the Chicago Marathon. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of my reward has been working there as that, you know, more of an athletic training role because you're more helping in the acute setting of injuries. I've, you know, had people just go down at the finish line with terrible cramps that they can't walk and you're sitting there massaging their legs and ultimately getting them back up and helping them. I've taken people last year. I actually had a gentleman who was having such difficulty walking that he was about a half a mile from the finish line. And I was at one of the last medical stations. And so I was just walking with him. And he also had another comorbidity where he had more of a muscular um, autoimmune disorder. And he just felt like he wasn't going to be able to make it on his own to the finish line. So I basically walked him right to the finish line. Now, I did want him to cross the finish line by himself, so I did let him cross the finish line by himself. Uh, however, I basically walked him there. So that was, like, huge that somebody wants you to stay with them that they believe, and he was so appreciative. I mean, like, that was a huge reward. I had a gentleman one time I helped when I was doing just um, some work in the medical tent at the finish line. He was a gentleman who was from Germany, and he was a blind individual. And so they have another person who runs with him during that. And during the course of the marathon, he had had somebody stop right in front of him. And, of course, the person running with him couldn't stop him quickly enough, and he had fallen and just scraped himself all up. So he was okay to finish running, although he had all this so-called road rash. And so I was cleaning off his wounds and I realized that although I was kind of going to tell him, I'm like, oh, well, you have some blood up here. I'm going to get in some blood down there. And when I went to wipe that away, he jumped and he like pulled back. And I was like, oh my goodness, did I hurt you? And I realized then that he couldn't see me coming at him to wipe something off. So even though I might have said, 
oh, I'm going to take care of your wounds. He didn't know where I was coming from. So I think that was a hugely powerful experience for me to realize, oh, I have to treat each, each individual differently, right? So you had to say to him, you have a little bit of a scab here right next to your cheek on the right-hand side. Is it okay if I wipe that? Let me know if it hurts. So then he didn't jump anymore, and I could clean off his wounds, and I could help him out, and that was, you know, I mean, I think things like that, you just realize where you have an impact all of a sudden, because a lot of these people are so appreciative for what you do, and they cannot thank you enough. I just was working with a patient last night that he had had the story that I was telling you about, just where he had terrible arthritis in his knees, and didn't believe that therapy could actually work, so... He was very appreciative. He's like, I can't believe how much this has helped me. I, you know, he's like, I honestly did have questions when I came in here. I didn't really know if this would ever help, and I was kind of wondering why I was going. So right. that's that's I think what's you know hugely rewarding because those people can go out and tell others, and you can say to another person that might come in that has their doubts, hey, talk to this person or something, and then it's not me just telling them that I believe you'll get better because why should they trust me? But if they trust somebody that's actually had that experience, they can. Sure. sure they can that write. makes a lot of sense. Um, thanks for sharing that. So just to kind of wrap up our time together, which has been really great. I feel like we've had a really good kind of understanding of both athletic training and physical therapy and the overlap there. And in particular, what makes a sideline athlete um, a great um, athletic trainer, or physical therapist, um, Sarah, I'm sorry, Lauren, let me ask you first and then we'll get to Sarah, but, um, any final thoughts, like any advice that you would give someone, let's say, who wants to learn more about athletic training or to figure out if it's a right career path for them, or just any final thoughts that you would give to a sideline athlete, um, listening to this podcast who might be interested, um, or their interest is peaked in athletic training. Absolutely. There are so many ways that you can stay involved in athletics, and that's 100% taking place off the court. Um, athletic training is a great option, um, especially if you are okay with seeing some blood every now and then, um, and you have that kind of healthcare interest. It's a great option. Um, every day, I feel great knowing that I get to help individuals, and with that interest in the human body, and that empathy I want to give them, I'm literally able to help dozens and dozens of athletes on a daily basis. And then when I think over the 10 years that I've been an athletic trainer, probably close to thousands of individuals that I've had an impact over. And if you um, have ever worked with an athletic trainer or if you've ever had somebody who supported you in a time of injury or need, you know how much of a uh, impact that can have on someone's life. And I, I feel like that we are an essential part of helping athletes succeed on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so if you have any question about athletic training and you don't have an athletic trainer, um, please, please feel free to reach out to another athletic trainer and they can tell you more about the field and what to expect. Um, I'm very grateful to Athletico to have given me the opportunity to have this, um, have this, you know, life I've created in terms of helping people. It's great. People I worked with 10 years ago still call me and say, hey, this is going on. You know, what should I do next? Or who's the kind of person I need to see? Um, we're, we've become essential to a lot of family, you right. know, care. And it's something that I would say that if you have an interest in, this is a great avenue to explore for that. So, um, awesome. yeah, athletic training is a really great opportunity for a lot of people. 
Excellent. Thanks for, thanks for that. And I'll throw the same question. Any concluding thoughts for you, Sarah? Definitely. I guess explore as much as you want. There's so many resources out there. I think the best way that I found out about the profession was actually immersing myself in it. So I frequently have students, uh, college students, anybody who would like to come and observe with me. I love being an educator. I love being a teacher, part of my field in general that we educate patients. So I love teaching others because I find it such a rewarding career. I do a lot of talks on it. So I guess I would say there's a host of different ways that you can become involved. Exactly like Lauren said, athletic training, physical therapy are a little bit different. One is more the dynamic aspect that you're out there on the field. You're helping in acute injury situations. Mine is more where you're rehabbing a little bit after the injury has happened. Uh, but athletic trainers also have that role. So there's definitely a whole bunch of different medical professions. If you're not interested in that, a lot of times people do coaching, they do announcing, they can help just volunteer with the team. So there's so many different avenues. And I guess the easiest way to determine what's best for you is just to go and explore any of those too. There's a lot of athletic trainers, I believe, that are exactly like Lorna and myself that are so willing to teach others about the career because they love it themselves. Usually you're not in this career if you don't love it, if you don't love working with others, and if you don't want to help others. So I think that extends to helping students and anybody find the profession that might want to associate it as or start to pursue that as part of their career. Absolutely. Lauren and Sarah, great to have you guys on the podcast this morning. Um, sideline we'd like to just close by giving one more shout out to our sponsor Athletico Physical Therapy. Athletico was named number one workplace in Chicago, the best physical therapy practice in the nation by Advanced Magazine, top workplace in the nation, and has been recognized as a leader in employee volunteerism and charitable giving. If you have any more questions on being an athletic trainer, please visit Athletico's website for additional resources. Lauren and Sarah, thanks again, and um, I hope that you've inspired a lot of our listeners to consider a new career path and staying involved in sports and by staying kind of close to those athletes who may become injured and need someone who has compassion and care and the, the um, medical know-how to help improve outcomes. Thank you so much, and thank you for being a yeah. great resource to all sideline athletes out there. You bet. Happy to do so. And that's vicious, everyone. Awesome. Thank you.